0: Welcome to the Modernization as a Service podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In the second installment of the Modernization as a Service podcast series, Mike Mastin, Vice President of Operations at Shiniga Applied Solutions, joins us again to take a deep dive into exploring different aspects of modernization as a service in practice. And Mike, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Pleasure to be on again. Yeah, awesome. Let's go ahead and kick it off like we always do. So let's start at the top. So what are some of the challenges agencies face right now when it comes to accomplishing modernization?
1: Yeah, there's kind of a multi-tier challenges that they deal with. One obviously has to come from funding. Modernization isn't cheap. And a lot of agencies, you know, when they're looking at their annual budgets, they have their existing programs that they need to support. So doing heavy investments and in kind of more forward thinking type activities, such as modernization, can often be intimidating. And what we found is that really what you need is kind of thought leaders within the government, within the DOD, who are willing to go out and champion a modernization idea. So a good example of that was uh, a Robbins Air Force Base with General Kubinick. General Kubinick kind of saw where the 402nd Software Engineering Group was seeing kind of the future of where software development was going within the Air Force. And he really championed doing kind of the first modernized software facility, which was our Blue Sky facility down there. And then seeing the success of that, he championed what later turned out to be Project Synergy, which is a much larger project down at Robbins Air Force Base. So we've seen success stories where with the Robbins, you have a general or somebody in a leadership position and an acquisition person really champion an idea and then we've seen other programs where maybe the idea is there but there's not really a big champion of the modernization and the opportunity goes away just because you know other priorities take precedent so really there's a culture shift that has to take place within the DOD because they're so kind of set in their ways of this well this is how we've done things for so many years so to kind of try and lean forward modernize in the the kind of holistic way that we're talking about with mass it really does kind of take some champions from the government side to really make sure that happens.
0: Yeah, great insights. And of course, too, the acquisition process plays a major part in modernization efforts, right? And would love to hear more about that.
1: Acquisition is
0: critical for
1: achieving modernization. And definitely, what's been really interesting is if you look at some of the leaders in the modernization efforts across the DoD, my mind goes to Kessel Run first. They will highlight a lot of, you know, obviously the product and the methodologies that they're using to kind of push out new software. But on the flip side of that coin is always talk about agile acquisition, because without a proper acquisition process for achieving modernization, you know, the DOD will not accomplish modernization. This was such a big point that Dr. Will Roper, who is the Assistant Secretary for Acquisition for the Air Force, would constantly harp on how the Air Force had to get better at doing acquisition, moving away from some of these really heavy-handed proposals that go out for bids, and doing, you know, other transactional authority actions. Or in the case of us as an 8A small business, uh, doing sole source contracts. And the sole source avenue obviously it helps us out. But for the type of holistic modernization that we're trying to do. The sole source process makes a lot of sense. And the reason for that is there's this thing called alpha contracting. And what that does is it allows the customer to come to us, send out an offering letter. So you're not under contract yet. It's just there's an intent to kind of do business. And it kind of takes away a lot of the traditional back and forth that the government has to go to where the government puts out a bid. And then, you know, all of a sudden you can't talk to contracting officers anymore anymore. And you do a proposal kind of in a vacuum and you submit it to them. What alpha contracting allows is for you to have that solution in conversation directly with the government where you could actually see where they want to go. So a great example of this was with Project Synergy. Project Synergy, government came to us and they said, hey, we got this building. We want to turn it into, you know, we want to put 160 software developers in here. And they had this initial vision and it wasn't necessarily a bad vision, but it wasn't quite where it probably could have been. So we were able to sit down and literally had a group of, it was me, an architect, uh, some designers. We sat down at a bar and literally on the back of a napkin, wrote down a kind of a vision of what we thought this facility should be. The very next morning, I went into the Air Force base and briefed it to their leadership and they signed off on it. And that's how we got the project synergy that we see today. So that would have never been possible if it was a traditional acquisition process. So these are the types of avenues that the Air Force and the DOD as a whole really needs to be thinking about doing and kind of exploring new avenues to, to acquire these modernization efforts just because they work better and allows for a customized, uh, fully tailored modernization to fit their specific needs.
0: That's great. You know, Mike, I love those back of the napkin stories. It seems like great things always come from those types of meetings right there. That's awesome. Really cool stuff there. And, you know, earlier you mentioned Kessel Run. So let's dive in a little bit more on that and tell us about how Kessel Run really has helped the U.S. Air Force drive their modernization efforts and really mission success.
1: Sure. So Kessel Run maybe wasn't the first to do something very forward-leaning, but they were certainly the biggest and the most successful. And you know, before Kessel Run, talk and modernization as the way that it is today just kind of didn't exist. So there was like pre-Kessel Run and post-Kessel run. That's really how it was. And you know, Kessel Run had the perfect combination, the perfect ingredients of those forward thinkers, those thought champions that we were talking about, that really just had this vision for how they were going to change the way as software was being developed in the Air Force. And when they first approached us, I remember they said, hey, we want you to make us into like a Google. And we we're just kind of like, okay, what does that really mean? And the more we kind of peeled back the onion with them, we really saw that these guys were taking their influences from a, you know a group called DIUX out in Silicon Valley and you know, really taking their playbook from some of the most successful software companies in Silicon Valley. And they were saying, hey, if we really want to be cutting edge, we have to do what industry is doing and we can't do things the old way. So they, you know, they became kind of modernization evangelicals throughout the DOD. And then, of course, you know, the k their headquarters down in downtown Boston that we helped them build was a, you know, big shiny object. It looked really nice. But, but also the way that they did it, you know, they were taking agile methodologies. They were basically creating horizontal leadership in the sense that, you know, the DOD is very much a vertical leadership structure, but at Kessel Run, you know, the second lieutenant could speak up to a major and disagree with them on a design philosophy, which normally you wouldn't really do. So there, once again, that's that culture shift aspect that was taking place. So the Kessel Run became almost like the model for how this happened. And then once they, you know, established the beachhead there in Boston... The rest of the Air Force kind of looked at it and said, hey, we need to start replicating this. And this is when you started seeing kind of the other software factories popping up and a lot of other innovation projects popping up. It was really kind of like this gold rush era between 2018 and 2019, where first there was Castle Run. And then all of a sudden we just started seeing level up. We started seeing all these different groups popping up, Space Camp. And then, you know, the actual software.af.mil with Nick Shallan kind of championing the entire process ultimately leading to the design of Platform One, which is the DevOps platform for the Air Force. So without Kessel Run, this wouldn't have happened, or maybe it would have happened, would have happened by by a different group. You know, some people think that kind of that, that series of evolution is inevitable, but it was definitely the crew at Kessel Run that kind of started the modern movement as we see it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Mike, I really appreciate those rundowns here. And of course, connecting with you once again for part two of this podcast series. And before we sign off today, is there any final thoughts, anything else to add?
1: Yeah. So I think as we talk about acquisition, you know, the way that DoD acquisition works is, you know, you'll have kind of the program and then you have the contract shop, right? And the program, you might have one of those thought leaders And then they hand stuff down to the acquisition group and they have in the contracts group and they have to kind of figure out how to make it happen. And, you know, for those in the DoD who are listening to this podcast, who want to, you know, are thinking about a modernized project that they want to do, I really encourage them to marry up with those champions and get those champions, especially as high up in leadership as you can go. Because we have seen projects literally fail without the champion and we have seen projects not only succeed, but succeed in very rapid succession. And I keep highlighting Project Synergy and General Kubenik because it is just such a clear cut example of what a thought leader can produce. General Kubenik said, I want this to happen, make this happen. We were approached in February of 2020. And by February of 2021, the facility was built and the Air Force was moved in. In one year we were able to accomplish that. And that is almost unheard of when it comes to these types of things.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, what a great way to conclude the second episode of the Modernization as a Service podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider, where we were joined once again with Mike Mastin, who is the Vice President of Operations at Chenega Applied Systems, who took a deep dive into exploring different aspects of modernization as a service and practice for government. And Mike, once again, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me.